Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for you. I'd say it to your face, I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them. What you're doing down here, you're showing me, man. Pre-season, a time of hope and optimism. When everybody connected to your club, players, supporters, the manager, can dream big and convince the world they're going to achieve those dreams. Unless your manager is Josie Mourinho and you're a Man United fan. Owen and Ken here with your Second Captain's Football Podcast this Monday afternoon. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. How are you? I'm better than Jose. Is Ken Melissa Reddy from joe.co.uk put out a great tweet yesterday contrasting the recent comments of three great football managers in the Premier League, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho, all effectively juggling with the same issues of playing these big preseason games with a bunch of young players, mm-hmm. giving them a bit of experience, giving them a leg up, maybe... Maybe they'll end up getting sold on. Maybe they'll be stars in the club. Who knows? But you have to fill out your squad. You have to fulfill these fixtures. I want you to pick out which one of these comments came from Mourinho. Melissa has very heavily put these all together. So manager one. You cannot imagine how much I've enjoyed these two weeks with these guys. The young guns have desire. They open their eyes and listen because they have their whole career ahead of them. I want to say thank you to them. The young guns. Yeah. Manager two says all the young boys who came on today are in really good shape preseason. And then he goes on to name check a bunch of them and heap praise on them individually. Mm-hmm. Manager three. <laughs> this is not our team. We started the game with almost half of the players who are not even going to belong to our squad on August 9th. They will not be here. <laughs> I don't need to tell you that manager three is Jose. For the record, manager one was Pep, manager two was Klopp. Pretty much interchangeable comments among yeah. those two. But we're a week and a half away from the start of the Premier League. Already you're asking the question, what's eating Jose Mourinho? I would change the question to, is he going to be around this time next week? What? I don't know, Owen. I mean... Oh, oh, don't shock me like that. I'm, I'm still in pre-season mode. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just... <laughs> I'm not able for massive news. Well, it's, You think he might be gone within a week? I, I think this... I think it's completely conceivable, you know? I mean, when this was happening three years ago, uh, when he was, you know, managing Chelsea still, and what was his final season there, final half season there... The, the signs were there from the beginning that this was going to happen. And, and it seemed kind of unthinkable because Chelsea had just won the league and, you know, 
I mean, as far as everyone was concerned, um, his position was was fantastic. He was like the number one manager, the league champion, just signed a new contract. But immediately from the start of that season, something was wrong. Mm. Uh, and he was complaining. Uh, people said, well, I mean, look, he's, he's just won the, the title and he's just signed a new contract. And none of that made any difference because he was unhappy with the club for not signing the players that he wanted and didn't feel as though he could compete with the hand he'd been dealt and began to uh, bitch and moan about everything. And it kind of became a snowballing, self-fulfilling prophecy. And this looks like an identical situation. So that's why I'm saying... Uh, I mean, Edward Ed hasn't necessarily demonstrated a massive capacity to learn from history, it, given that he decided to hire Jose Mourinho in the first place. And Mourinho, to be fair, has delivered exactly what you would have expected from Jose Mourinho. He's been spiky. Uh, he's he's played very, you know, kind of solid defensive football. He's fallen out with a couple of young stars. He's made a few cutting comments about players in his squad. He's complaining to the board about not signing the players that he wants. The players that he wants generally tend to be the more experienced type of player that you don't really have to explain a whole lot to. You don't have to, to you know, like Guardiola was saying, oh, the, these guys, their eyes light up when I try to teach them about the game. Marino's not too interested in teaching people. But he wants people to know how to play the game. Um, all of these things are the same. He's done exactly what you would have expected and now this is more or less also exactly what you would have expected. The only question is whether Ed Woodward is prepared to recognise what's happening. You know? Mm. I think there's a, there's a chance, of, of course, that he won't. I mean, because you see all these kinds of contradictory things coming out at the moment from Manchester United, you know, uh, Woodward backs Jose, but he's not, you know, he's not backing him. Well, that's he? what I'm reading here. I'll, I'll hold you there. We'll get into that in your report and support in a second, but I do have a little bit of news to announce because the tickets at the second captain's Premier League night with Cadbury in their Liberty Hall on August 9th sold out in just a couple of minutes last week. It was an incredible response. World Service members snap them up as they get first dibs for all our shows, including our end of year extravaganzas. But who is our superstar guest? We won't make you wait any longer. This is a good one. A whole new way of doing journalism is brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not Vincent Brown or Dunphy, but it is Gary Bloody Neville. Yes, we're big admirers of Gary. We know you are too. And we can't wait to have a good sit down with the man himself, which will be available to listen to on August the 10th, if you weren't lucky enough to get a ticket. Cadbury, the official snack partner to the Premier League, have made all this happen. So a huge thank you to them. If you have any questions that you want to ask Neville, just email editor at secondcaptains.com or tweet at secondcaptains. The best and funniest will win delicious Cadbury hampers and indeed Second Captains t-shirts. So that's Gary Neville on air with Second Captains, available to listen to from August 10th. And for those of you who missed out on tickets, thanks very much for applying for them. We'll have a bunch of live shows later on in the year, so plenty more live action to come. And as always, we'll bring you the news of those ones first on the World Service. Let's report on sport now, please, Ken. I wonder will Gary Neville enjoy getting into all this? Uh... <laughs> Joe, say so. <laughs> Uh, hopefully he'll still be manager by the time we we. Uh... Well, if your prediction is true and Jose Mourinho is gone within a week, <laughs> that would be a timely it's moment not, to interview Gary Neville. It's not necessarily a, a prediction, Owen. Um, you know, it's simply that these these crazy senseless things do happen. Um, for him to leave now, it actually, wouldn't be as senseless as all that. I mean, it seems to me as though he's not. You know, the, the question is, how much difference does an attitude make? Is it like, 
you know, you, you see Klopp and Joe uh, and Pep giving it, you know, um, dazzling smiles and positivity, positive energy. Everyone, it's great. Everything is great. Is it really going to make any difference? When you know when you come when it comes down to it, like you know, two games into the season, they get one point from the first two matches. You know, uh, suddenly things aren't going to be so positive. You know, these are the things that can easily happen. Maybe this uh, early uh, or preseason grouchiness could be dispelled by Manchester United winning their first three matches in the league. You know, well, it would certainly give. What it does do is give the young players a bit of confidence, which is always important. Pedro, uh, what's Pedro's surname? Pedro Kiravella. Kiravella in the number six. Fantastic football player. Marco Grujic together with him organising the whole pitch pretty much. Curtis Jones made his first game as a fullback in front of 100,000 people. I would have been nervous. He wasn't. Rafa Camacho plays a preseason. That's fantastic. Mostly as a fullback, he's never played there before. Ben Woodburn is 100% back now. How is it with the young boys from time to time? The improvement doesn't go day by day, but he has played such a good, good preseason. Nat Phillips, my God. Oh, you know, it goes on and on. Mm. That, that quote. That, that's good, though. That's, there's no harm in praising your... I don't, I don't see why Mourinho has to single out the the, the weakest amongst the squad mm. to have a collective go at? Yeah, uh, I mean, how do you think it goes down with the squad? I don't think that well. I mean, they all see the same comparisons that we do. You know, they're they're all aware of this. They're like, well, if I played for a different club, I could, maybe things would be slightly different. Here, I, I know that I'm here and, and playing for Manchester United is first and foremost about suffering. Um, you know, Mourinho said so many things. I mean, that the, he was talking because... You know, they played Liverpool in Michigan and Liverpool won 4-1. Um, obviously, it's just a um, pre-season, pre-season game. Um, if, it's just, if it's just a pre-season game, it doesn't matter. What, can Joseph, is there any need for Mourinho to react so badly? You know, he, he's like, I wouldn't have paid to watch this rubbish. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like there's Americans there saying, what do you think of the big house? And what, you know, what do you think of Michigan? And he's like, feel sorry for the fans. <laughs> Turn it up to watch that nonsense. Um, uh, the ref, ref, thought, ref thought it was baseball. Or the officials, they're evidently baseball officials because I think Liverpool got a dubious penalty. Um, then individualized it a bit with the, with the players. Martial should be here. You know, baby, beautiful baby full of health. Isn't, he should be here. He's not here. Valencia had too much holiday. He's in bad physical condition. <laughs> um, Eric Bailly. Someone said, is Eric Bailly um, the kind of leader you need in defence? No, <laughs> he's not a leader. He's a good team boy. Yeah. You know, everyone, every team needs a, needs a couple of lads like Eric, but not a leader, no. Uh, <laughs> although he did say that Eric Bailly had, had uh, sort of dragged himself from his sickbed to play in the game because he saw the team that Jose was going to have to put out and he said no boss I can't let us I can't let this happen I won't let that happen and I can't let that happen and he uh, did he say he said that (laughs) well he well what he's actually said is Eric just felt it wasn't fair to the other guys to throw another kid on the pitch (laughs) we're trying to play these matches as best we can and to avoid ugly defeats this one gave me nothing at all. This is Bailly, because um, Chris Smalling had had felt a twinge in the warm-up. So Bailly said, boss, I know I'm not supposed to play, but we can't have another kid out there. This 12-year-old mascot you're trying to put on there, it's, it's just not going to happen. This is this is Manchester United. You know what I mean? We This is just 101,000 people. That's amazing. Um, 
the crowd. Yeah, to watch, to, as Mourinho says, to watch a team that is not my team. Yeah. The atmosphere in the stadium was good, but if I was them, I wouldn't come. I wouldn't spend my money to see these teams, said uh, said Mourinho. He's been like this. There, was a, there were articles even on Saturday about how grumpy he'd been. I know Mourinho, Mourinho being in a bad mood is hardly groundbreaking news, but usually, actually, in preseason, the managers are at their most open and they're most relaxed because the results aren't the be-all and end-all. Well, yeah, but it's... it's uh, He's playing... Uh, I mean, it, it's... He's speaking to the board. The, you see, what I don't... What I what I think is wrong about what Mourinho's doing... I mean, there's... there's a few, I could sit here all day talking about that, actually. But what I think is wrong is, basically, is that he speaks in this way, uh, dismissively, about most... About the squad that he had with him in America. Like, these aren't footballers basically they're ki- kids you know a kid is different from a from a football player um and the intended audience for this is edward woodward the the boss at manchester united and the board he's saying to them i need players to play the season with that's who he's speaking to but there's such a high cost associated with this because it's not as though all the people he's talking about, the kids themselves, don't hear this. They all hear it. So they so in order to get the message across to the to the board, he's kind of blasting his own players. That that is, I think, a short sighted way to go about it. There's better ways to do this. He wants to do it in public. What's he a wants better way to do it then? To I mean you do it in private? Yeah, I mean you need to he wants to he wants to use public pressure on Ed Woodward. Because I think the way that Jose looks at it is, I don't care if he sacks me. I would rather put the public pressure on now and so that everybody knows who's at fault here. He's at fault. He's the one who's at fault for not reinforcing the squad the way I want. And if he sacks me, well, at least I don't have to manage this sinking ship because there's only one place this ship is going, and that's the bottom of the sea. Now, that's why I think it's a bad attitude for the captain of the ship to have. Is the ship definitely sinking? <laughs> is there anything you can do yourself there, Skip? You, uh, as a captain, you know, there, there used to be that rule, you go down with the ship. I mean, in recent years, maybe people don't feel the same way, don't feel as lovingly attached to the ships. There was the guy in Italy, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, maybe captains seek to save their own skins sometimes. But there was a, you know, you go down with the ship, you you, you stick with the ship, you believe in the ship. Hopefully it's not going to sink. <laughs> that, would be one, that would be one attitude to take. But Mourinho saying, no, the ship is on fire and there's only one person who can put it out. And if he doesn't, then I'm out of here. That, that's how it reads to me yeah. when he says these things. Because I don't otherwise see why he'd be so reckless. There's only one person who can put it out being Ed Woodward. Yeah, Woodward's the guy who's got to step up. Woodward's the guy who's got us. I've given them the list. This is another thing that, that they had at Chelsea. I gave them the list uh, in April. Uh, and he's saying he's given them the list months ago of five players that he wants to sign. Maybe I'll get one. Maybe I'll get two. You know, but this is like... Um, now, I, I have to say that I, I haven't entirely unsympathetic to this because I do wonder why with... You know, the, the, their first game is Friday week. So why have why have the only signings been Fred, Diogo, Dalot, the Portuguese fullback, a young Portuguese fullback who in any case is injured, given the, the situation they've got with lots of players being at the World Cup and also lots of players now being injured including, you know, Matic, that's something Mourinho went on about um, players have been on holidays because they were at the World Cup the points are real like the transfer deadline stops but the, the, they can't sign players 
once the season has begun. Well, Manchester United have sympathy for him as well, according to the article I referenced earlier on by Jamie Jackson in The Guardian. Jose Mourinho retains the full backing of Manchester United's board with the hierarchy understanding the manager's frustrations regarding signings and the number of players missing from the US tour. Which you can imagine how infuriated he would be to see that. If you understand it, why don't you do anything about it? So, you know, this is... The, the other thing that he's doing is talking a lot about Liverpool. I mean, obviously, they were playing the other... Night said it's natural that, that the subject should come up. But what he's saying, and he said it a couple of times now, is look at the spending they've done. It's you know, they're way out in front of all the other Premier League teams in this in terms of the summer, which is true. They're like they've spent like 160, 160 million, or you know, their their net spend is nearly twice that of the next top club. Manchester United's net spend is around 50 to 60. That it's that sort of territory. Mm. It's not like they've still spent a lot more than Manchester City. Net. I mean, City have bought Maris. It's the only thing they've done. Um, but Mourinho's attitude is we need to close a gap on Manchester City. And instead, what's happening is one of the teams that was just behind us has signed a bunch of what looked like very good players. And they're all there. You know, whereas my, I, I haven't signed anybody, really. I mean, Fred, okay, we'll wait and see. Fred could potentially be a first team player, could make a difference. But we're not talking about a huge improvements, you know, like you've seen at Liverpool, they've got a new goalkeeper, new midfielders, a new attacker with Shakiri. There hasn't been that that sort of, that has not happened that much. It must be so much more fun being a Liverpool fan this pre-season than a Man United fan. You've got two teams of roughly equal ability, status, all that kind of stuff. One of, and potentially with, you know, they're probably both vying for second spot, maybe you would say, mm. in a decent season, a little bit behind Man City. And yet... Which just seems like a lot better crack to be supporting Liverpool at the moment. You've got this charismatic guy who uses his charisma in a positive way versus the Mourinho, which just seems to be making everybody around him miserable. And I presume that transfers to uh, supporters, even the ones who back him. Well, you know, I, I think there's something that shouldn't be overlooked here as well, though, which is that Liverpool have spent a ton of uh, money on these, I, I think, badly needed players. This is after a few seasons of not really spending a lot of money since Jurgen Klopp had taken over um, in, in you know, plus-minus net mm -hmm. terms, let's say. And this is the first time when they've actually done that. But you still have to look at the fact that a lot of this is down to the sale of Coutinho for, you know, £142 million. So that's the third-highest transfer fee. They received the third-highest transfer fee in history for this player who was a very important player to them. The point is that they can sell players for a lot of money. You know, they, they, there's a kind of... When, when you've got a team that's playing well and individuals who are doing well within the team, people want to buy them. It's it's a different situation from what Manchester United have, where they're trying to... They, they have got, like, a player like Anthony Martial, who... Anthony Martial is a fabulously talented player. It's clear that himself and Mourinho aren't really getting on anymore. There's never really been that much of a connection. Mourinho signed Sanchez, who plays in the same position as him, you know, in January, which kind of was, the writing was on the wall at that point. He didn't go to the World Cup with France, even though he was in their squad a couple of years ago. Uh, so his career has kind of stagnated, is what I'm saying. He's, he's kind of gone off the rails. And there will be clubs who are looking to buy him, but they're trying to get the price down. They're saying, well, you know, this guy hasn't really, hasn't really produced. It's a couple of years since, you know, we saw this, the, the, uh, remember when Martial first joined Manchester United? It, it was it was like 
who is this guy? Why have they paid so much money? And then you saw his first few finishes, and you're like, oh, hang on, I see. I see what they've done here. This this guy is like an ice-cold finisher. He's got this preternatural composure. He looks like it could be an absolutely amazing player. He hasn't developed. No. Uh, and since Mourinho has been the manager, it's been just his career. It's, it's, it's just gone into, it's just flatlined. This is the difference. So, so Mourinho is now pointing and saying, well, I want this, I want that, you know, give me Perisic, you know, nearly 30 years old. The, the players that he's looking for, Bale, you know, Bale maybe is more of a Woodward thing, you know, Bale, Real Madrid. But the players in the squad have not really performed. So you can't, in order to to, uh, to fund the kind of signings that he wants, I mean, one way to do it is to sell players. Sometimes you sell a player you don't want to sell, but actually it enables you to buy players you really need. Well, why not Pogba? Why isn't he just flog Pogba? That's the one player you will get a load of money for. Well, you know, that's, that's, that is a... He doesn't seem to, well, seem the, to connect with him. The, I mean, I think that that's absolutely the case. I mean, Pogba is, when you look at the squad, the most saleable. You know, he, he's the most... The World Cup has helped quite a bit there. He's, so. he's the player that other teams yeah. might be interested in. You know, he, he's got a lot going for him, you know, football-wise and marketing-wise. These are the way clubs look at it. And he would be the guy, but... Sell Pogba now, what are you going to do? You've got, like, Ed Woodward has got 11 days to find somebody to replace Pogba or to or to close all these deals. Presumably, if you sell Pogba, it would be similar to the Coutinho situation that you'd sell him and you'd be able to you'd be able to buy three 50 million pound players. You know, that would be the, the hope, yeah. I suppose. Um, and maybe that could make a, a big difference to your outlook. But... You know what are the chances of actually succeeding with that at this point? You know if this is if this is the uh, it's it's too late. You know you wouldn't would you have any confidence in them in them doing that? But I I do I, I do think there is an important point there that I think Mourinho's job would be easier if the players he had were playing better, both in terms of attracting new guys to come in instead of this constant complaining or Martial's agent or players are hearing about oh the atmosphere isn't that good. They'd want to be part of it instead of that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So him. Again, it comes back to him slagging off the players he does have. That that isn't going to drive any prices up. No, if he's saying, "Oh, these these young guys, they're no good." Yeah, and it's a, it's a kind of it. So it's a sort of a feedback loop. Like it's it's a vicious circle, is what I'm saying. It's it's not it's not doing anyone any good. Um, we will talk to Miguel, I think, a bit more about this and what's what's going on there. But Neymar has broken his silence, Ken. Amazing. Sort of amazing stuff from Neymar. I mean, okay. So Neymar is like, uh, hasn't really said much, kind of gone to ground a little bit since the World Cup, a World Cup which ended badly for him, uh, which which cost him a lot in terms of credibility. The Neymar challenge is his, you know, his bequest to the world. Um, he's left off the FIFA shortlist for the award that he went to PSG to win, FIFA best. I mean, the Ballon d'Or shortlist is a lot longer, so he'll probably still be on that. Uh, and it is France football, and he plays in France, so you know they'll probably give him the nod. But FIFA have left him off their shortlist, which is not too good. Um, who's, who's on that shortlist? Oh, it's there's like Ronaldo, Messi, Modric, yeah. Mbappe. Is it Mbappe? I think Mbappe's on it. Uh, you know, um, Salah, Harry Kane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the the top the usual good footballers, but probably players that Neymar would. Feel at least on a par with. Yeah. Sorry, but I don't know what's he said about his diving antics and so on. Um, I'll tell you exactly what he says. Owen, he says, "Boots stood on the shins, kicking the spine, 
stomp on the foot. You may think I overact. Sometimes I do. I overreact, I should say. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do. But for real, I suffer on the pitch. But you have no idea what I go through outside of it. When I leave without talking to the press, it's not because I only like winning, but because I still don't know how to disappoint you. When I act like a brat, it, is because I'm a, it isn't because I'm a spoiled child, but because I still haven't learned to deal with my frustrations. There's still a boy inside of me. Sometimes it dazzles the world. Other times it pisses everyone off. And my fight is to keep this boy alive. But inside of me, not inside the field. You may think I've fallen too much, but the reality is I did not fall. I crumbled, and that hurts more than anyone stepping on your post-op ankle. I took time to accept your criticism. I took time to look at myself in the mirror and become a new man. But now I'm here with my heart wide open. I fell, but only those who fall can get up. You can keep throwing rocks at me, or you can throw your rocks away and help me get up. Because when I do get up, oh, buddy, the whole of Brazil gets up with me. A new man every day comes the slogan, Gillette, the best a man can get. The whole thing is a Gillette ad. Oh, I thought it was a Players' Tribune article, the way it was being framed. Yeah, no, it, well... <laughs> sounds a bit like a Players' Tribune article. Not, not a coincidence, though, that it sounds a bit like a Players' Tribune article. Uh. Uh, just as the Players' Tribune uh, gives us uh, sort of imitations of uh, old-school American long-form sports journalism, uh, this uh, is a simulation of an inspirational and heartfelt message from the deep within the heart and soul of the little boy inside Neymar Jr. Yeah. But, of course, it's actually an ad for Gillette. Absolutely amazing. Just unbelievable. I mean... Why, why am I even annoyed by this anymore? Like, it's... Yeah, I do, I do wonder, though, how much longer these kind of imitations or simulations of old forms will continue to fool people or will... Before it just becomes so hopelessly cringy and naff. I mean, I think... I, I, I assume that a lot of people who would see this would be like, oh, oh Jesus, Neymar. Oh, God. You know, like, you can feel the bile sort of rising a little bit at the... At the the fakeness uh, of all of this sentiment that he's getting paid richly to do. You've got no idea what I go through off the pitch. Jesus. Um, but I do wonder how long they, they're going to bother to do this. Like, are people not sort of developing immunity to this? Do you not recognize the sort of fake thing when you, when you see it? You know what I mean? Well, I presume it's working or else people wouldn't do it. Neymar wouldn't get involved in this kind of stuff. Ah, oh, people, Neymar's, Neymar's getting involved in it because he's getting paid loads of money by Gillette and Gillette are doing it because I suppose they've got like a, they hire an advertising agency that needs to show that they're doing something. So they come up with this, they're like, oh, let's think of some inspirational sports stuff. You know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. What about we write that on a flip chart and then draw some arrows coming out of that. And little boy inside of me, there's a, there's something, there's a, trope a familiar sports trope there's a little boy um oh god so uh i hope he so he, he's got paid to express these sentiments whether they're real i i don't care uh i i think though that this is it it suggests to me that he has it for all his 
time that he spent looking at himself in the mirror, there's another familiar one, to become a new man. I think he's, he may actually still be the same, sort of mirror-gazing. Doesn't sound that poop. different to... No, it's yeah, exa- exactly, exactly the same. Getting handsomely paid to express um, simulated uh, sentiments about getting knocked down and getting up again. I think the the actual problem with this is that it, is that people's the the problem people have with Neymar is that people have increasingly started to feel as though he might sort of be a fake. You know, he might not be the real deal. Like good footballer, but does he really understand what the game is about? Does he really is he really something you could rely on, or is he just a sort of uh, you know a guy who is appears in a lot of ads and will say anything for money? And here he is in an ad saying, speaking from the heart, but for money, it's kind of just more of the same problem rather than the attempt to address the problem which it's posing as, you know what I mean? So um, best of luck to Neymar with that campaign. And that's it for today's Report on Sport. 1850-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Lion Live. Five one double five one is our text number, and Joe at RT.ie from wherever you are in the world. Ken, good afternoon. How are you? You saw it. What happened? I mean, I actually was abused by a Dane as well mm-hmm. the night before. Go ahead. I was, I was, I was having uh, dinner after the, 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 you know, we finished our work or whatever on a Friday. Went into town. We were, we were sitting in a restaurant. Uh, you were a journalist, uh, and uh, myself mm-hmm. and three other journalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point, we were. Uh, it turned out we were all looking at our phones simultaneously. Mm-hmm. We were waiting in a bill or something. Mm-hmm. And this Danish guy mm-hmm. staggered up from behind, behind mm-hmm. suddenly leaned over the table and he goes, "Go ahead. Is there a Wi-Fi? Is there a Wi-Fi in here?" The whole thing. Say, um, Ken. The whole thing is is getting more and more bizarre. You, you didn't do it, did you? Did you report that to the FAI or anything? We were like. Uh, uh, actually, we're just on the three G. Mm-hmm. Before we could finish explaining, we weren't actually on the Wi Fi. He goes, "Wi Fi wankers, you're all Wi Fi wankers." Did he write because, this himself? Did he, we compo- were, did he compose this line himself? You know, uh, he all he'd seen was for. I, I don't know how he knew we were Irish, but he he knew. Wi Fi wankers, you're all Wi Fi wankers. Jose Mourinho is favourite to leave his job first among Premier League managers. Maybe not too, well, I don't know, on the face of it, you could say it's surprising. Miguel Delaney, this is all looking very summer 2015, isn't it? He's signed a new contract. Uh, he's got a list of players that haven't been signed that he keeps referring to. It's the third season syndrome. The mood seems to be deteriorating. Why is he in such rotten form? <laughs> uh, well, listen, I mean, if, if you were to put in place all of the ingredients for this. I mean, I mean, there's this debate about whether the Mourinho third season thing exists or whether it's a coincidence. But if you're before all the ingredients, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, all you're missing really is that a, is, is a row with a doctor like, like at, the, at the start of the 2015-16 season with Chelsea. Um, pri- primarily, he's in bad form because uh, he's not got the signings he wanted. But yet, has he ever truly looked happy in this job at all? No, not really. Um, although I have to say that I've got a little bit of sympathy for him at the moment. If you know, if if it's primarily to do with the, the failure to bring in players, and I don't think it necessarily is all to do with that. There's other things going on as well. Mm. But if you just look at the, the signings, you do have to kind of wonder what are Manchester United doing. Uh, yeah, I mean to be fair, if you look at all five windows, I think there's only been one where he's been completely happy with the business he's done. But I suppose, I mean, there's another issue where this is a kind of a, 
a recurring theme in Mourinho's career, basically. I mean, it's usually been, and not not completely unlike Rafa Benitez, actually, and he probably wouldn't appreciate that, but it's 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 one of the things that usually starts his poor mood at a place where he doesn't get all of the players he wants. Um, although, I mean, I've heard out from a few people around United that there there is a view as well that he's been given four hundred million to spend. There hasn't been. I mean, I mean, if you did this, is another reason feeding into the bad mood, but. Is there any sort of vibe that they can even go closer to winning the title? I don't think so. And that, that's after that's after five windows, two seasons, and there is also a feeling that maybe right they'll, they'll they'll go for the two options he still wants, which is a centre half and a winger. But that really he should be doing better with what he's got. But even I mean, the other point in terms of kind of the two signings he wants, there's a bit of a there's a fundamental issue there as well because Mourinho for the way for the way he works. He basically prioritizes players that are over the age of 26, 27, that are, uh, in, in a word that he apparently uses a lot, warriors, kind of battle-hardened, will do the job. But the, pro- the problem is, when Man United go for those sort of players, they're going to get quoted ridiculous prices, like what's happened with Willian, like what's happened with Perisic. And the club don't really, I mean, as, kind of, as wealthy as they are, they don't see much value in that. Well, at the same time, he wants to shift on with players like Martial, who, you know, he, Martial's only 22, you'd think almost everyone in the game, bar Mourinho, seems to think he has got a really bright future ahead of him. So there's that, there's, there's that fundamental issue there, which is, I think, one of the reasons as well why they haven't got business done. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, again, it, it, this, this is more, as you, as you said earlier, this is more than about just him not getting the players he wanted. It's about why he's not getting the players. And there is a lot bubbling under. And then this even before we get to the fact, or before we get to one of the, bigger problems or one of the bigger issues maybe that there is still maybe tension between some of the squad and him that and I mean like last season didn't end in a very good mood so it's even once we get past the transfer window and the actual season starts it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out especially given this is going to be that first season without Rui Faria who was kind of who was seen as you know the good cop to Mourinho's uh, grumpy cop what are the other issues bubbling under that you refer to well, it is. I mean, I mean, most of all, it's the fact that, that I mean, did that team look happy towards the end of last season? They got to the FA Cup final, finished second in the league, and yet it felt like a considerably more disappointing season than the than the, than the previous year, even though they finished sixth. Uh, the Pogba thing still hasn't gone away, as as he's, uh, as he's and, and I think this and, and the Pogba thing is almost kind of a well, Pogba and Martial are almost kind of lightning rods for the whole issue that he, it's, it's he he doesn't have that connection with his with his with his squad. That he had and has got his best teams or with his title winners, and you know we're into the third season and he hasn't even won a title here yet. Mm. Well, I don't know though. I, I I feel this weird feeling of sympathy with with Mourinho. Yeah, I mean, just what you're saying about the fact that okay, he wants to sign certain players, somebody like Perisic, a warrior. Um, you know, who knows who the defenders they just talk about, like Yerry Mina or Harry Maguire. I see Duncan Castles in the Sunday Times suggesting Harry Maguire isn't has been inflated by a good World Cup so I don't know if that comes from the Jose camp maybe he's not the guy he's not who they're so keen on but you know if that's the way he wants to do it then surely Ed Woodward has to go okay this is my manager do I back his judgement or not I mean I was listening just the other day to to John Giles speaking about his career to Eamon Dunphy They, they did like a a kind of a Ben Hur length multi part multi part podcast but Giles is talking about how he he left, like, was it West Brom? He, he basically was like, I can't do this anymore because 
having talked about signing, I think Paul Mariner, then was like, oh, we can't get him. Then one of the directors said, you know, I think we might be able to get the money for if we're talking about someone like Paul Mariner. To which Charles was like, hang on a minute, which is one of his his many times employed phrases. Hang on a minute. You're telling me we've got money to sign a guy you want, but not to sign a guy who I think is worth it. Well, this is bullshit, and, and basically quit the job. <laughs> that was, yeah. the, but, the tone had changed. But, but the, point, the point he was making was, it's not that the club doesn't have money, it's that you won't back my judgment, and yeah. I feel as though I can't work with that. Now, Manchester United clearly have tons of money, and but they only have it for certain players that the board agrees with Jose, and if they're not agreeing with them, then, then it's, they're kind of undermining him. Well, yeah, there's, there's probably an element to that, definitely. And I remember hearing one story that... Um, you know, the Woodward was interesting. Kind of, he he would offer to to go and sign one of the big stars like a Bale and Neymar and a Mape, and Maria and Maria said no, because his vision of the team. I mean, and to be fair, this suppose something you can you can't really criticize Maria for, but his vision for the team and how he how he wants his team to look in general was so tight that he wanted a specific type of right winger, which is a Willian, a hard working right winger for that role, rather than one of those stars. Because I mean, another another star like that, I suppose. You just have to accommodate them in the way that has happened to a certain degree with Alexis Sanchez, who there was no obvious role from the team. Um, and and it, this is what it comes down to as well. There's a difference in priorities. You know, the United hierarchy wants these kind of marketable stars and they'll make money available for these marketable stars, I suppose, because there's all sorts of commercial concerns. But then they don't necessarily see the business sense then in, in spending, um, you know, 80 million on Perisic, 60 million on Willian. All you, all, I mean, you could argue, but I mean... If, <laughs> If it brings a title, yeah, then that, that, that's that's your business sense made. Yeah, I would have thought so. The the point about the players that he has at the moment and he's not getting the best out of, and Pogba is one he mentioned who's talked about the whole time. But Marshall's an interesting one. So he says about Marshall, he has he, he's had a baby, and after the baby is born, beautiful baby, full of health, thank God, he should be here, and he is not here. And uh, now we have Real Madrid, and after that we have Bayern Munich, and that is our start. So he's you know this is a thorny topic sometimes among. Funny, you mentioned John Giles again. I, I remember yeah, him yeah. being aghast. At, I think it was Xabi Alonso a number of years ago when yeah. he was talking to us, missing a game for the birth of his baby, and he feels one of your professional obligations is to play the games and to be available for the club and, and miss out on these important events from time to time. But surely it's it's clearly laid down. Either he's allowed go and he's allowed to spend a certain amount of time on paternal leave, or he's not, and, and he should be back. And also, the, the, Mourinho's talking about these other players who should think about maybe coming home from holidays early. If he's in charge of things, if he's in some sort of control of these players, surely th- there's a certain time they're supposed to be back, and there's it, it just all seems very vague uh, that, that it's, it's on yeah. the players to decide to come back early. Yeah, completely. Uh, and I mean, I, I saw that thing uh, um, with Melissa Reddy tweeting around at the weekends comparing... Yeah, I mentioned how, that earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How Guardiola and Klopp spoke about their players and how Mourinho... Just a difference in outlook. But then, it, it, but this is the thing, I mean... Even if Mourinho has a point, although I think I think I really thought the the Martial comments were just unfair, uh, but then they feed into this wider issue between him and, him and Martial. Uh, you know, even if he has a point, it's the it's the overlay, and it's, it, it just feels like it's a case where everything is irritating him right now. Mm. Yeah, um, which <laughs> which is not a situation that seems to have a very long future. Uh, I think. <laughs> I mean, because because this is the. I mean, if everything we've been talking about, I think I think Mourinho has has got a case to be disgruntled. But if it's the case that Ed Woodward is has decided, okay, look, we signed Maddich, we signed Sanchez. I'm sick of signing old players, and that's not what we're going to do, and that's not what this club should be about, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Okay, well, the logical thing then is you've got the you're, you've got the wrong manager. If that's what you, if that's your position, and if you're going to be consistent, then you have got the wrong manager in charge. You, he feels undermined, and actually, he, he has been doing some by your refusal to go along with his his way of doing things. Maybe you think his way of doing things is really stupid and short sighted. <laughs> okay, fair enough. In which case. Get yourself a new manager. Is there any chance? I mean, I, there was a quote after the they, they played Liverpool on Saturday. Jurgen Klopp said, well, uh, Jose said, you know, see you next time. And it already sounded really like a threat. Uh, you know, referring to this is just a friendly son. You know, we'll see you in the Premier League. But they don't play in the Premier League until December. And I have to say, <laughs> I don't expect I don't expect Jose Reader to be seeing Jurgen Klopp next time as manager of Manchester United. Uh, I, I still think, despite as bad as everything gets, there's still enough about them that'll kind of grind their way through. Although even we were doing our kind of season previews like this week, and I was thinking like, you know, when you have to kind of predict where everyone's going to finish on the table, I was thinking, like I was going to pick United in third, but then I, basically I still can't decide whether the United be third or seventh <laughs> or sixth, just because whether one of those seasons is possible. But in terms of, one of the issues here as well, to be fair to Mourinho, is that United, other than being super rich, they don't really know what they are as a club at the moment. I remember before Mourinho got the job for definite in February 2016, I remember writing a piece basically that they, they should go for Pochettino because they need to kind of restructure. They need the sort of manager who is, is going to restructure and gives, gives them a new vision. Whereas Mourinho, he's not a vision manager in that sense. Really, Mourinho is the perfect man to come in straight after Ferguson because he had basically... He had, like David, David Moyes just didn't have the kind of the, the ego, the personality or the, the kind of... The, faith in himself to take a job of that magnitude after a man of that magnitude, whereas Mourinho would have. And that was also just at a point where they needed to kind of stabilise, just going to be okay in the short term, which again is what Mourinho would have given you. Um, so, to, so to come in three years into it, now it, just, it just does feel as if United have kind of different priorities all over the place and there's no unified vision at the club. Just in those predictions you're making, Miguel, I assume you're going for City, number one. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not going to be too much suspense on that on that side. Of it. Maybe <laughs> the numbers from two, two to five or six could be interesting. Isn't we leave it there, Miguel? Great stuff. Thanks, Emil. Cheers. Lad. Thanks. Bye. FIFA made a movie recently. Did uh, they? John Delaney could run anything. They did. They did. About themselves. Yeah, about themselves. God, that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Sad Blatter. Yeah, that is that's incredible ego. But the real movie's on its way. Well, yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget that. No, 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 forget that. In 2009, I called him an embarrassment to FIFA and an embarrassment to himself. And I, and I said it to him across the table, just like I'm talking to you. We wanted to explain He said, no one speaks to me like that. And you said? And I said, what I do. And that was it. We wanted to explain And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here to tell you, just stared at her for seven or eight seconds. And I said, move on now, please. And then he moved when I went in and told him how I felt about him, yeah. there were some expletive views. We came to an agreement. It's a very good agreement for FBI. Yeah. And we've used the figure there. Why don't you? Well, we started the podcast by talking about the Premier League clubs in the US attracting massive crowds. What about the Premier League? One of the great superstars of the Premier League is now plying his trade over there. Ken Wayne Rooney had an eventful night for DC United. His first game as captain. He slotted a goal past... I should say a slightly leggy-looking Tim Howard in the Colorado. I must check Tim Howard's age. I don't mean to be ages about it, but you know, I still have visions of Tim Howard making all those saves in the 2014 World Cup. Yeah. And 
have to say, doesn't look quite as sprightly now. He's 39 years of age. So still a couple of years left as a goalkeeper, but maybe a little past. It doesn't matter. Wayne Rooney slotted the goal past Tim Howard in the Colorado Rapids goal mm. before Rooney had his nose broken. Oh, my God. Yeah, his nose was gushing. I don't know if you've seen any images of this. His nose I do, don't. I actually saw, blood. saw a picture of Rooney with his nose broken. I have to say that for the first time in a long time, I thought, despite the fact that his face was covered in blood and his nose was broken, I thought he actually looked happy. <laughs> he did. If you saw him, he's got like a, it's broken high up on the bridge. There's blood like leaking out of his nostrils and he just looks, yeah, this is, <laughs> I'm back. This is what it's all about. Because he, yeah, he, he had the nose, he bashed into somebody's head. You can see the cut, it look, clearly looks broken if you can make a medical diagnosis based on images and footage. It's got that cut in the bridge. He's got this stuff lodged up the right nostril to try to staunch the, the blood flow. Go, had gone off the pitch to get that, finished out the game, and after the match it was confirmed, yes, the nose was broken. I don't know how much confirmation was needed there, but uh, yeah, fair play to Wayne Rooney. He's got his first goal and his first nose break and seems happy enough with life. A lot happier than Jose Mourinho is with life anyway. So, Well, they're probably both happy not to have to see each other these days. I'd hey, say. for you Monday-only listeners, a little reminder that while many other football podcasts have shut down since the World Cup, we're offering you not just this weekly football podcast, but a further football show later in the week on the World Service. For the members listening, we will closely follow any further souring of Jose Mourinho's mood throughout the week, if that sounds like something you might fancy. I believe we're talking about this, all this stuff again. It's just like, you sometimes feel like you're just trapped in an eternal cycle. Mm. It's just like, Jose has handed a list of players to the board and they haven't signed any of the players. And yeah, repeat by, you know, just, oh my God, like, repeat by 10. Just, I suppose he can't, he delivers, he delivers exactly. He delivers <laughs> subject matter for podcasts, for pre-season podcasts, Ken. We can't. I can't, you know, I, I don't, can't yeah, I don't want to be much. churlish, I don't want to be churlish <laughs> about it, fair enough. If you're thinking of signing up to the World Service, you can have a look at secondcaptains.com for the time being. Thanks again. Thank you, Owen. And thanks for listening. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.